Hi, I'm Don Mackey, welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Well, hello, folks. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems and our Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Today, I am delighted to have Marianne Christensen with us, founder of the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship. And we're going to have a little bit of conversation about the center located in Keene, New Hampshire. But also, we're going to talk a little bit about Radically Rural, which is a great convening that Marianne and the Hannah Grimes Center has been involved in co-hosting, really kind of the core host with partners. And so Marianne, welcome to this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Thank you, Don. It's great to be here. One of the things I always like to ask when I have a guest is share a little bit about your background and your journey that kind of led you into this field of rural entrepreneurial development. It was a journey. I think it was a, a twisted one. <laughs> Probably hear that a fair amount, but it was a lot of accident and a lot of just interesting path. But uh, I grew up in rural Minnesota, Fergus Falls, Minnesota, a town of 13,000, moved, spent a year in Oslo and then moved to New York City. And then it was there seven years and then moved up to New Hampshire. And I knew when I left New York that it was either city or country. I didn't want to live in the suburbs or anything like that. I really like rural. And so I think that that journey, I think rural, urban, rural, gave me a really deep appreciation of rural and how amazing it is. And I think, you know, coming to New England with a really fresh set of eyes about, you know, what's super special about a community. And I think for a lot of us in rural communities, I, I think it is sometimes the the new folks that help us appreciate it deeply. But but that was that was the path. Bought a farm, started, you know, making soap and having farm stuff, little farm. That's how I got here. Well, I mean, the origin story is important because it's not like any of us come out of high school or college and go, I'm going to be an entrepreneurial ecosystem builder, but life's journey takes you to that place. One of the things that's really intrigued me, because I've had the opportunity to advise you a little bit on the story capture you're doing about your work in the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship, is the name itself, Hannah Grimes. And my sense is this is really important to you. There's deeper meaning. Can you share a little bit about how the name for the center came about and why it stuck. When I moved here, Minnesota doesn't have old buildings, you know, and I bought a house that's uh, part of it is from the 1790s and another part is from the 1820s. And that was just amazing to me. I felt like I bought something out of a magazine. And so I went to the Historical Society and researched the home. And the first owner was William Stoddard Buckminster and he married Hannah Grimes. And uh, she was born in 1776. So I think it just stuck with me in a way that it might not otherwise. As we were opening it up and thinking about names, part of the impetus for starting what was then Hannah Grimes Marketplace, and then later we added the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship, 
was the fact that the infrastructure to buy and sell local was just disappearing very quickly. It was before the buy local movement. And honestly, my homemade soap, you know, was about as appealing to local people as, I don't know, you know, an Afghan written, you know, <laughs> knit by your grandmother. So in off colors, it was just not a, you know, it's changed so much. So it was, you couldn't butcher meat locally. We didn't have local butchers anymore. I mean, it was just to be able to buy and sell local food and other products the infrastructure was quick disappearing. So, so Hannah Grimes just became this model for me of time and a place when what you couldn't make or grow yourself, you bought from friends and neighbors. And how could we reestablish that marketplace, that network, and then more deeply, the things behind it that make it possible. And in a lot of ways with the marketplace, and I'd like you to share a bit more about it, you were ahead of the curve. It's such a movement right now. I think about here where I'm at in Lincoln, Nebraska, we buy our chickens from one producer. We get our vegetables from a farm that we belong to. We have shares in. We get our soap from Pacha Soaps and Hastings, which is a really neat business, amazing soaps. But I know it's become increasingly important to us, and I see it in the numbers of people people who are really wanting to try to buy more goods and services from within their region if they can, or as close to home as they can. So talk a little bit about the marketplace. It started in 1997, so uh, 24 years ago. I was spinning wool. I was uh, maple sugaring. I had sheep and chickens. I was spinning. I was making soap. That was my primary business. And there weren't local markets. But in doing all those things, I I was just in touch with the most amazing people making the most amazing things. And, you know, I think the two things I noticed about them is one, most of them had no business skills. (laughs) You know, they were artists and farmers. There were exceptions, of course, but, you know, mostly they're passionate about what they're making. And the business skills weren't as important. And the second, in addition to the business skills, was the lack of markets. So even in those days, it's hard to imagine now because our farmers markets have revived and are vibrant for the most part, I think. And But there weren't markets. So these people were making amazing things and selling them in seasonal craft fairs and you know, which are generally fundraisers for the other person, you know, whoever's running them. And there was just really no organized system of markets. And even if there had been there, there weren't the business skills to kind of match up to being a successful business and wanting to grow. So it's, yeah, that was kind of the, the, the impetus of how do we create a market that will build a thriving local community and both economically and vibrancy and these local things I believe, do that. We're planning to come out for Radical Rural, and my wife's going to come along. And so uh, she's a big fan of buying locally. So we're anxious to see your community firsthand this September when we come out. So you then added the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship. Talk a little bit about what's all involved there. We started Marketplace in 97. We were doing business workshops from the very beginning. Prior to opening the Hanagram Center, we ran a one-year-long entrepreneurship program. We had gotten some USDA funding, hired a business coach, put together a cohort of makers from the Marketplace, and had very 
good success. You know, the year over year income was 30%. And on average, they hired one new employee per business. So we were happy with that. And there had been an incubator in town that had started and failed. And before they completely pulled the plug on that, they asked if we would want to take over the space that they had set up. So we took over the operations of that, went in, and I had the confidence to do that because we just finished this year-long program, which I felt at least gave us some programming to do that. So it was moving to a different set of entrepreneurs from there because most makers and growers have their own space. They're not looking for office space, but we felt like we had a pretty general year-long program that would work. We're still running that program today. It's now seven weeks instead of a year, it's changed, uh, went to six months, kind of changed throughout the years. But uh, we've been running that since 2004. So the programs that are there now, we have 22 incubating offices. It's grown. We started with eight and it's we've bought the building. We've done multiple renovations. We do lots of workshops. We have lots of free one-on-one coaching, lots of consultants in their field. So they're active in their field that are giving back. They give their time. So we can offer if you need a lawyer, if you need an HR person, if you need a social media person, if you need to build a website, you can just connect with somebody one-on-one for half hour session, hour session, That depends. And you can have up to three meetings with each consultant. And we have about 25 of those. That's really a powerful program for us. We have what I just mentioned, which is the business essentials lab is what we call it now. We have a pitch event that we call Pitchfork. Have fun with that. We have a co-working space, about a 2,500 square foot co-working space. And just, we do a lot of things. A, a young professionals network works through us, fiscal agent for a number of, number of projects too in Keene. So anything that can help build a thriving local economy or a, and a vibrant community, we'll, we'll try to put our shoulder behind it. It's been very fun and it's very diverse. And we think that diversity kind of feeds each other. You know, somebody that goes into startup lab might become a coworker or they might go into the incubator Somebody in the incubator, you know, might realize they need to put those business essentials in underneath. They got to start, you know, they want to go do a little backfilling. So in workshops, you know, people take workshops from one all over. So uh, and the marketplace members feed, of course, into um, now the center is the provider of the business services for them. I think in a rural community where you don't have a lot of people, I do think that buzz of all of those things has really fed our success. And as you just described it, it's really become pretty sophisticated with all the different things that have taken shape over the years. But one of the things I should have asked early on, because again, we have a audience throughout North America and a few folks beyond, share a little bit about Keene, New Hampshire. It's uh, kind of in the very extreme southwestern part of New Hampshire. But for folks who may not be familiar with that corner of rural America, uh, give us a quick snapshot of your community. Yeah, it's uh, Keene itself is a town of 23,000. I happen to live in Roxbury, right outside of Keene, which is a town of 238. <laughs> so it's a county of a lot of small towns. Keene, Keene is the hub. 23,000 is a pretty decent size. It's pretty isolated. There's rural counties all around us. 
but we are just like two, two and a half hours to Boston and four, four and a half hours from New York. So that helps the community. We're not super remote. We are a remote corner of the state, though. There's a big joke that it takes us an hour to drive to Concord, but it takes them three hours to drive here. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to come to Keene. We always have to go there for meetings. But it's got uh, Nanak Mountain, which is the second most climbed mountain in the world, uh, surprisingly, because uh, you can really climb up there. It doesn't feel like a traffic jam. Gentle mountains, streams, farms. It's, it's a beautiful, super beautiful place. And we're just um, 20 minutes from Brattleboro, Vermont, and 20 minutes from Massachusetts. Well, you and I kind of really got to know each other a bit more when uh, you started working on your story, capturing your story, and we've been honored to have a very small role in advising on that. Share a little bit about that project and why you're doing it. And also, I know if you're comfortable, you've had some challenges as you've read about yourself and your role as a founder and a social entrepreneur as well as a business entrepreneur in this undertaking. Share with us a bit about this project of capturing the Hannah Grimes story and your story. We got some grant funding to do a number of things this year, and this was one of them. We did some impact analysis of our own programs. We developed a set of local economy indicators that we hope to be able to share uh, with other rural communities, but we spent all the time kind of figuring out what they are, and then populated them with data. So by county for the state, we've got uh, local economy indicators that we think will be useful. We also took two of our programs, and this might be of interest to some of your listeners, our Pitchfork program and our Business Essentials Lab. We have instructor's guides now, and we're happy to share that with any community that might be interested in running those programs. And then this fourth piece was the story capture was, you know, how do we talk about what we did? And so the other three pieces are done (laughs) and working on the story capture. Wanted to do it for a number of reasons. One was uh, I'm a founder. I've been doing this for 24 years and it's all in my head. And really important, I think, as new board members come on, as funders come on, as next generation comes along, that we've got the story captured and people will always know what it is. And then once it's captured, that we can add to it. So so I think that was just really important. And also just felt that strategically, that doing the work to do it uh, really might help us point us to the future as well. So so that's that's why we're doing it. And yeah, working with you, Don, and with a, a writer, just kind of plugging away at it. Uh, but when that first piece came back about the origin story and the founder, I had to, I almost felt sick. I had to put it down. I had to walk away and I didn't want to include it. <laughs> so months later, I went back to it and I realized it's not that bad. It just is. But it is weird reading about yourself in that sort of a way. And so I'm adjusting to that. The other reason I really wanted to do it, I think is more personal. And that's part of why it's been a struggle to get it done is really wanting to take some time to think deeply about what we did do and why it is working and what challenges there might be. That's been in a pandemic. And then I also happened to just randomly, some pandemic related, but mostly just 
it was the timing, uh, lost really most of my staff last year in a pandemic. So we're a very small team. There's three of us. And then we added a radically rural staff member. So there's been a lot of upheaval in the time to sit down and think deeply just <laughs> hasn't, hasn't appeared. But I think it's uh, on the horizon as is spring and summer. So I think that will come. But that just feels like a, a gift to myself to be able to do that. And I think it will also be a gift to kind of try to understand what made us tick and be able to share that. Just for our listeners, I think it's so critical what you're doing because it can inspire people, can clearly inform people. And we've got so many folks, which is neat across the country that are starting entrepreneurship initiatives and the ability to take a deeper dive at a successful initiative, not that it'll look the same in any two places, just can be really powerful. So we're glad that you chose to do this. I think it will be a, a a great addition to the field. And plus, it's just a fun story. There's just a lot there. And I think folks will enjoy learning about your journey and the journey of the Hannah Grimes Center. Our time's starting to roll past, but I do want to make sure we talk a little bit about the Radical Rural gathering. Of course, last year was tough with COVID. You had to do it electronically, but share a little bit about the history and what's coming up in 2021. Radically Rural actually started with an event that we had that came out of that business essentials class. When we had two classes and then three, I thought, wow, it would be nice to connect them, you know? So they've connected very powerfully with each other. But so we started this connect event that connected graduates from our then entrepreneur project. Then it was called Startup Lab, and now it's called Business Essentials, but it's essentially the same thing. That was running along for about 10 or 12 years. The Keene Sentinel, which is our local newspaper, took an interest and said, do you want to partner on this thing? So it, it eventually grew beyond, it became our community. So anybody from the community, our entrepreneurs, our funders, our board members, it was just this lovely event. We held it up at Allison's Orchard. She had graduated from the class and hosted us in her beautiful, beautiful place. It grew out of that. And the first year we partnered with the Sentinel, we had 420 people show up. We usually <laughs> had like 150. It's like, whoa, there's something here. And we repeated that a second year and decided we just felt this energy. People were saying like, who are the people here? And is this scheme? And it, there was a lot of young people that showed out. And, you know, it just, it, it was that time where rural communities were just going more and more south and urban, you know, the divide between urban and rural, that as the country did better off, rural regions did worse off. And we just felt this tremendous energy. So we talked with one of the greatest thinkers I know, uh, Bill White. He's the founder of Badger, W.S. Badger, Badger Balm. You've probably seen them in the store, but he's a deep thinker. And Terry Williams from the Sentinel and I met with Bill and just this came up. And it was really, how do we create sort of a South by Southwest feeling event for rural? And how do we bring people together so that we can more quickly share great ideas of things that are working in community. This is not an event to come and complain about broadband access and all of the stuff. It's a chance to come and talk about who got broadband and who has this great idea and can I learn something from that? So it really focuses on real things that are happening and being successful and shaping and sharing ideas together. 
So going and listening and then just kind of letting your head explode and think of, you know, we could do this, we could do it a little differently, we could do exactly that. But that's that's what it is. And we have tracks. So this year we'll have six tracks. We've had five or six in the past. And each track has three sessions. And it's uh, it's a day and a half. So it starts on a Wednesday morning with everybody together and then break stuff into the consecutively happening tracks. And we've had entrepreneurship as a track, community journalism, Main Street, arts and culture, uh, land and community. And then this year we're adding a healthcare track. Oh, the clean energy is the other track. Um, we're adding healthcare this year and we're exploring adding a philanthropy track, but this year we're just going to have a philanthropy mini mixer there. But we're really hoping that funders will come to the event. They'll go to the sessions. They'll see what's happening in all these different sectors of our community and that they will get ideas for funding. And, you know, I know one of the sessions in the entrepreneur track uh, that you are helping with is about a foundation who's found a really creative, really diverse set of ways to get capital access for entrepreneurs. So like, wouldn't it be cool if other funders from around the country go to that session in the entrepreneur track? Another in the community journalism track, there is a move for rural newspapers to go to become nonprofits or to just even as for-profits, they are getting community support now to keep going. And, you know, it's talking in that session in particular, they're talking about building trust. And studies have shown that rural news sources and small and local news sources are the most trusted sources of news. And they're the ones that are failing the most quickly. So if we're going to maintain trust in media, we are going to have to preserve these small and local news sources. And we don't have much time to do it. So, you know, if we could get philanthropists and other people that have access to funding to sessions like those, it'll be a nice ad. So that's, yeah. And then we have yeah this opening session. We have an idea jam as a closing session. We'll have ideas from all over the country. They've got a minute or two or three to tell some great idea. So it's really good energy. And I think the fun thing about it is it's a rural event in a rural region. We found a way to host five, 600 people in our small town by using all of the spaces in our small town, which means that between sessions, you can you could go to a journalism session, then go to a, an entrepreneur one, and then go to arts and culture. We encourage people to jump the tracks. But in between sessions, we leave lots of time. We want people connecting, having coffee, having a cocktail, and walking it down, you know, this beautiful New England Main Street. We've had gorgeous weather so far, knock on wood. Really, we want ideas to explode between sessions too. And we want people to have some of that downtime to discuss those ideas and meet people that, you know, you might do things with in the future. And so this year, uh, if I remember correctly, September 22nd and 23rd. I, I believe you have that right. <laughs> okay. And and you're hoping to have it in person. We are definitely planning to have it in person. In person. We will also be uh, uh, doing it online as well. So it'll be a hybrid event. So, you know, if uh, it's hard to get there or you're not traveling, we will have an online portion of it. All of the sessions will be online. We are good and ready to get back together and 
you know, that's the foundation of this event was a, about having a rural experience and getting ideas in that. So we'll, we'll be glad to do that again. That's terrific. And we're delighted that we can be part of it this year. Well, we need to wrap up. So I want to thank you for being my guest today. So folks know that when Ann puts this together and we drop it live, there'll be information uh, with the website for the center, for the marketplace, for Radically Rural. And so folks will be able to find that. When do you think your story will come out, Marianne? I've got one more grant. So first quarter is heavy for grant writing for me. Then I think I can plug in and do it. It'll be done. This is August, right? This gets aired in August. It will be done by then. With your permission, we'll release that as well. So folks yeah. will have that as part of the, the package. So, yeah. well, thank you so much for joining me today. This is great. It was a pleasure. It's so nice always talking to you, Don. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's mutual. I've enjoyed getting to know you and learning about your work. I'm so impressed and thank you for what you do. Thank you. It's thank you for what you do. It's as you know, it's the best work in the world, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So folks, uh, we need to wrap up, but I just want to remind you about some of the resources that are available through E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. Your best place to go is our website, energizingentrepreneurs.org. That's where you can find a lot of free website resources. You can also join our E2 National Practitioners Network, where you can access all of the resources that have been developed to help rural communities grow entrepreneurial economies. There's no cost to any of these resources. You can also sign up for our monthly electronic newsletter. And I always say it's easy to subscribe, but it's also easy to unsubscribe. So if you decide you don't need it in your email box, uh, you can get rid of it. And of course, you can also, through your favorite platform, sign up for Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. We do two editions a month. Check out those resources. So Mary Ann, on behalf of our podcast today, thank you folks for joining us and thank you for what you do in your part of rural America. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm-hmm.